What's up, bar folks? For 40 years, Ligonier Ministries Table Talk has been a valid resource for the body of Christ. With thousands of subscribers all over the U.S., Ligonier Ministries has partnered with the Bar Podcast to bring you 15 months of this magazine for the price of 12. For $23, you get 15 issues of the Table Talk magazine delivered to your door, chock full of articles and devotions. To get your subscription, go to thebarpodcast.com forward slash table talk to get those 15 issues for only $23. That's right, the bar podcast forward slash table talk. Go now. Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week to week cultural apologetics, as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I'm Daryl Harrison. What you know, Omaha? What's going on out west? It's, it's, uh, man, I don't know what you did. If you said storm clouds our way or... How that all works, if the weather heads your way, but man, it we can't catch a break. We got the the uh, College World Series happening right now, right. which is a yep. big deal for Omaha. And then, yeah. I mean, they've been rained out so much that the games are getting delayed and delayed and delayed. So it's been kind of crazy. Yeah, we've actually been getting a lot of uh, rain here in ATL as well. And a matter of fact, it's raining right now mm-hmm. as we record this. But uh, I'm not complaining, man, because right around August, Right. We're going to be we're going to be desperate for this, man. So right. I don't. Hey, let me ask you this. I've never been to Omaha. I've yeah. uh, been uh, been all over the country, but never been to Omaha. Yeah. I know it gets hot there. Yes. But do you guys get the humidity like we get here in the A? I mean, here in Atlanta, when it's hot, right. it's also humid at the same time. Do you guys right. get the humidity or as they say, a dry heat? <laughs> it's not it's not it's not completely a dry heat, but it it's not. I it, I. Uh, I, I, let me catch my words. We can't compare to what y'all experience in Atlanta. I've been in Atlanta during the during the height of the summer, and man, it's it's unbearable. I mean, it's unbearable. Yeah. It feels like a hundred pound weight just hits your back. Yeah, uh, and and you know you're just you're just a mess. I used to get that when I was in Oklahoma because uh, yeah. that's where I'm originally from. But uh, it's not the same. Now you ask a native Nebraskan. They're going to yeah. say, oh, yeah, oh, it's just, oh. And I'm like, but y'all don't have a clue. <laughs> y'all, y'all really yeah, they, don't they, have a they clue. They have no clue. Yeah. They really have no clue. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I travel places and stuff and, and smaller towns and stuff. They'll complain about their traffic. Mm-hmm. I'm right. like, wait a minute, what? Right. Traffic? Right. Traffic? <laughs> don't, e- don't even get me started. Don't right. even get me started on that. Right. So. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so it's raining here, man, but we, we appreciate it. And we're going to really be thanking the Lord for this rain here in a couple of months. Um, you know, speaking of raining, uh, man, we're, 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 we're talking about another topic in this episode of the just Mm -hmm. thinking podcast, where it seems like opinions just kind of rain down from from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're, 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 I mean, this is a, the culture, what's stirring up in the culture, the storm clouds, so to speak. How's that for transition? The storm clouds, so to speak. You like that? 
That right. That's smooth. <laughs> that's smooth. That's smooth with an S M O O V E. Right. <laughs> right, man. The, the storm clouds of opinion and ideas and, and uh, just all of what's going on in the marketplace of ideas is just going crazy right now uh, over the issue that we're going to tee up tonight. And I know you've you've done such a great job, man, of just promoting the show and putting it out there, letting folks know when we're going to tee things up and to be praying for us. And uh, uh, man, this will be another this will be another banger, man, that we'll have to uh, have to tee up tonight as well, man. I, I thought I'd let you do the honors of letting folks know exactly where we're going. Yeah. So, uh, so what we're doing, and I think, uh, again, we try to give a shout out to all the listeners mm-hmm. in every episode that we do. And I think, uh, what I want to say to the listeners right now is again, just a thank you. Mm-hmm. And I know I speak on Virgil's uh, behalf as Absolutely. well, just to Absolutely. say you all thank you because, mm-hmm. you know, we try to give everybody a heads up maybe two to three days before we record about mm-hmm. what the, what the topic is that we're going to be addressing. And man, we get such great, feedback such great positive encouraging feedback yeah. on those little teasers uh if 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 i can use that term mm-hmm. uh and i think that feedback that we're getting is a sign that folks really trust us they they mm-hmm. really trust us to regardless of what the issue is i think they trust us to treat that issue uh with uh seriousness with the uh the accuracy uh, that the word of God, that the gospel warrants, right? Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. right, we are commanded to rightly divide the word of truth. Yeah. Absolutely, rightly I, divide it. I just, I just think, man, you do such a great job of being biblically responsible uh, with everything that we begin to unpack. I know you spend quite a bit of time uh, in the word, researching, unpacking different aspects of it, sending me some kind of hey here's some ideas that I'm thinking, but brother, you, you know, you, you leave me the freedom to kind of formulate mm-hmm. my own thoughts mm-hmm. and ideas mm-hmm. as well. So, so, mm-hmm. so this is not a monolith. Mm-hmm. This is not, you know, one, one idea, but, uh, but man, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, I know just based upon our, our relationship, how serious you take this, uh, the prayer that goes into it, uh, the time that, that you, that you spend in particular uh, with it, that, that I, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm up to, up to snuff with regard to the the info that I want to bring into the to the conversation as well, but man, I, that's that's what's happening. People are are experiencing that on an ongoing basis, and are really enjoying it. And I, I'm th- like you said, man, like you, I'm incredibly thankful for the listeners. Yeah, that's it's what you just said. Verse kind of gives me an opportunity to kind of segue into the fact, that especially for our new listeners, just to let them know, you know, number one, Virgin, I've never met in person, uh, <laughs> so we've been doing this podcast now for about six months. Uh, and none of these episodes are scripted, none of them. So to whatever degree Virgil and I are aware of what each other is going to talk about, it's pretty much just a, a common knowledge of what the topic is. Right. Uh, so, so we record an episode. Virg has no idea Mm-mm. about what my notes are, what I'm going to say, what I'm well, going to offer. The, the, the difference between you and I is I sound like I have no idea. That's the difference. <laughs> I sound like I have no idea what we're talking about. And you sound pretty smart about the subject. That's what's really going on, man. <laughs> well, some, somebody's got to take up the slack, man. Somebody, somebody <laughs> but you know what's cool, though, Omaha? What's cool is that with the, and, and we, we, we kind of deal with some heavy subjects. I mean, we, we, we deal with some heavy topics. And but yep. what's cool about it 
is that the gospel, the word of God has an answer for every single Come on, issue. Man. Come on. It has an answer for every single issue. So we can go into uh, an episode and let the listeners know ahead of time what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. before we've even done any prep. Yeah. So we already knew, you know, that we were going to talk about immigration. Right. Before we've done any prep work, because we know the gospel says something absolutely about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll let the listeners know that this is going to be another expanded episode of the Just Thinking podcast. Mm-hmm. And when we say expanded, just to give you some context, uh, this podcast also airs on Saturdays from noon to one Eastern time, noon to one Eastern time on Urban Family Talk. Mm-hmm. You can go to urbanfamilytalk.com. Shout out to uh, Will and Miki Addison mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, helping us get that uh, uh, additional exposure. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, with the uh, episode that you're going to hear in Urban Family Talk, it's, it's right under an hour long. Uh, but when you go out and you subscribe to the podcast itself, either on iTunes or Android, mm-hmm. you'll get the full episode. You'll get the full expanded episode. And I think mm-hmm. the one that we did on False Teachers Last week, this the episode we're recording right now is episode 34. Mm-hmm. Episode 33 was close to an hour and a half uh, in length. So you'll get the full hour and a half episode when you subscribe or listen to on iTunes or Android, whereas the uh, the version that you hear on Urban Family Talk is edited for time. Uh, so th- that's what I mean when I say expanded episode versus the more uh, compressed or concise episode that you'll get on urban family talk. Um, so yeah, so verge, we got, uh, another, uh, heavy hitting topic here, yeah, uh, man. for episode 34 of the just, uh, just thinking podcast. We've, we've titled this one, a biblical theology of immigration. Oh, bro. I love it, man. It's so incredibly needed with everyone, uh, talking about the topic. Everybody's kind of jumping in based upon, and I think a lot of the response is reactionary, right? It's, it's, right. it's based upon what they're seeing in the, in the news space, you know, what they're being fed uh, by news media. And so it's very easy for us to become reactionary, either from an emotional standpoint or a nationalistic standpoint, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than from a biblical and theological standpoint. So I'm excited we're going to unpack this tonight, man. Yeah, that's kind of like, uh, you know, me being former military, this this subject here is, is kind of like I liken it to uh, walking over a, a landmine, you know, a, a minefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of like we're darned if you do, darned if you don't. So right. kind of we're not naive to the fact that going into this episode, folks who listen and we don't record any of these episodes to necessarily get consensus on, on, on our point of view that's or our perspective. But we feel like, you know, wherever we trod on this issue, it's probably going to upset some people. You'll probably have some folks who will kind of co-sign with our stance on this. But again, to your point that, you know, the comment you just made a second ago, this issue has been so politicized. Mm, That's good. Uh, But I can tell listeners right now, however long this episode is, you won't hear a syllable worth of politics in it. Right. You won't hear a single syllable of politics in this episode because what we do is we open the word of God to see what thus says the Lord. And then that's what we try to articulate 
and convey uh, in the dialogue that uh, Omaha and I engage in on this episode. So rest assured, I promise you, uh, this will not be a political take or political slant on this issue. Um, We're going to open the word of God, see what the word of God says, and, you know, we'll let the chips fall where they may. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're ready to rock Omaha, let's, let's rock. Do it. Let's do it, man. Let's do it, man. What I, I'd love to kind of know again, with all that's happened, uh, here, here recently in the news, folks who are trying to get into the country, uh, uh, children being separated from parents, all of those particular issues, uh, it, it again has forced the thought process that you've had about this. And, uh, I know, I know you're anxious to get into the word, man. So what, what, what are your thoughts around this? Where are we going tonight? Yeah, so as you you kind of alluded to already, this issue of immigration is a very, very sensitive one for many people. Yes, it is. Very sensitive issue for many people. Now, the reason I describe it as a sensitive issue, kind of put sensitive there in air quotes, the reason I describe it as a sensitive issue is because what we're discussing in this week's episode of the Just Thinking Podcast is one of those topics in which people tend to allow their emotions to shape what they believe to be true yeah. about it. Now, as I see it, the issue of immigration is being discussed, and I mean both within the church and, and in the world, mm-hmm. it's been discussed largely as a problem of government policy that must be addressed with a government solution. That's good. But for the Christian. The question of immigration is a much broader one than that which is being proffered on social media and in the mainstream media. It is a much broader question for the for the Christian. Now, I want to begin by saying that for the follower of Christ, the conversation about immigration or any other social cultural issue for that matter must begin with a discussion about the nature and character of God and not with any political or political politician or political ideology. That's good. The conversation must begin with a discussion about the nature and character of God and not any politician or political ideology, because when all is said and done, what this discussion really is about fundamentally at its core, at its least common denominator, what this discussion is about is how we as God's people, as Christians are to treat others who like us are created in the image of God. That's the fundamental issue here. That's now we good. can call it immigration. We can call it immigration, but yeah. fundamentally for the Christian, see tonight. And again, I say tonight cause we always record our episodes on Mondays at, at 8 PM Eastern. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in this episode here and in every episode, we're primarily talking to believers. Believers are our target audience. Right. Now, to whatever degree, uh, people who are unsaved, who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, may listen to the podcast, support the podcast. That's fine. God bless you for for listening and taking the time to listen in. But we're talking primarily every week to Christians. We're talking to believers. We're talking to the church. So fundamentally, this question of immigration is an Imago Day issue. How are we to treat? How are we as believers to treat others who are creating the image of God like us? So having said that, as I see it, there are two questions, two questions for Christians to consider 
on this issue of immigration and the larger issue of what attitude we should have in fulfilling our obligation to look after those who purport to be in need. Now, I'm going to explain later why I use that word purport. That's good. Purport to be in need. Okay. Two questions. And those two questions are framed within the, the two pillars of what I would call one pillar is orthodoxy. The other pillar is orthopraxy. Yeah. Okay. So two questions. One has to do with orthodoxy. The other has to do with other orthopraxy. So question one, again, on the issue of immigration and being the broader issue of the Imago Dei and how we as believers are to treat others who are creating the image of God just like we are. Question one is this. How does God operate in the world that he created? That's question one. Mm-hmm. How does God operate in the world that he created? That's orthodoxy. Mm. Orthodoxy, how does God operate in the world that he has created? Question two is orthopraxy. Question two is this, how are we as God's people to operate in the world that God has created? Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, fundamental to these two questions is the premise that the discussion about immigration or any other sociocultural issue must begin with a discussion about the nature and character of God. So question one is we must understand and flesh out, First of all, how does God operate in the world that he created? So in in dealing with this issue of immigration, the the discourse does not start with us. The discourse starts with God. It starts with God, just like every other issue does. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's tackle that question of orthodoxy first. How does God operate in the world that he has created? All right, so. We must begin by acknowledging that God is the creator of the world and everything in it. That's good. Okay, that's number one. That's fundamental. So how does God operate in the world he created? Well, first of all, he's the creator of the world and everything in it. We see this in several texts. Genesis one twenty seven. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, likewise, we have Genesis 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day when God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. All right. Still going along that theme that God is the creator of the world and everything in it. Uh, The gospel of John chapter one, verse three, John one, three, all things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now on a parking lot right here at John one, three, four second, the word things there, the noun things in John one, three that we just read, all things came into being through him. The word things is the Greek noun pas that's spelled P A S Mm -hmm. which denotes Every human being, every object, and every conceivable thing. 
Okay. So when John writes that all things, that's everything. Mm -hmm. That Greek noun there means that nothing that exists, whether seen or unseen, is accepted by that word things. So when John says all things came into being through him, Mm -hmm. that's all things, every conceivable thing, and some inconceivable things because our minds are finite. So having established that God created all things, I think it also needs to be said that there is order to all that God has created. Yes. Okay, we're talking about orthodoxy here. Okay, talking about immigration under the two pillars of orthodoxy and orthopraxy. We begin with an acknowledgement that God is the creator of all things. And having established that, it also needs to be said that there is order to all that God has created. So in other words, not only has God created all things, he has also ordained certain fixed and objective principles by which those things, including his people, are to operate in his world. Mm-hmm. That's why we're theists, and we're not just deists. Yes, that's right. Okay? Again, I want to repeat that. Not only is God the, the creator of all things, he has ordained that there is an order to all that he has created. Okay? Now, I say this on the basis of texts such as uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 33a. 1 Corinthians 14, 33a, where the Apostle Paul declares that God is not a God of confusion. Yes. God is not a God of confusion. That word confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, is the Greek noun akatastasia. Akatastasia, a.k.a. not the sorority. Although it's Greek, (laughs) a.k.a. T-A-S-T-A-S-I-A, akatastasia. That Greek noun confusion means a condition of instability or a state of disorder. Mm. It is derived from the Greek root word akatastatos, which means unstable, inconstant, or restless. So this is not how God operates. God does not operate in a sense of instability, confusion, disorder. He does not operate in a condition of instability, inconsistency, or restlessness. Mm -hmm. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, that God is not a God of confusion. He is not a God of disorder. He is not a God of instability. He is not a God of inconstancy. Now, conversely to that, in speaking of the church, that is you and me, the body of Christ, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Mm -hmm. The context there is the church, but I think we can extrapolate from that a principle to our daily lives as individuals and to another point I will get to later, a large, in a larger context, a nation as a whole. That's good. So we've established here that God is number one, the creator of all things. Number two, that he has established and ordained that his world operates in a sense of order, because as Paul tells us, God himself 
is not a God of confusion. So it doesn't make sense that the world that he created operate in a state of confusion and disorder. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when Paul says in first Corinthians 14, 40, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner, that text first Corinthians 14, 40, as it relates to the church, especially not exclusively, but especially that text is what inspired mm-hmm. to a great extent, what is referred to as the regulative principle of worship by which many reformed churches abide. Mm-hmm. You do all things properly. Right. In an orderly manner. Right. That what that's that text is what's a, a, a cornerstone of the regulative mm-hmm. principle of worship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now consider also Hebrews eleven three. The writer of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews eleven three. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. I'm going to read that again. Hebrews eleven three. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now, it is important to note that that word prepared in Hebrews 11.3 is translated to mean to arrange, to put in order, to frame, or to fit for one's self. To arrange. So when Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, literally that means that God arranged everything that he created. He arranged it. He put mm-hmm. it in order. Mm-hmm. He framed it. He, he, there, there's a, there's a uh, it, it's not some sort of big bang thing where stuff just kind of boom happened out of right out of order. No, God is the God of order. He arranged. His creation is orderly. He has arranged the world that he he has created, the writer of Hebrews says. Now, all that to say, to kind of lead us in it, and Virg, I was thinking uh, as I was preparing for this episode, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we're talking about immigration. Right. By definition, we're talking about boundaries. Right. That's good. And I was thinking, okay, what types of boundaries are there in the Bible? What are the Mm -hmm. different types of uh, boundaries that we find in Scripture? Hmm. Well, I I noted six. Now, there may be more, but I noted six. Six types of boundaries that are recorded in the Bible. And, uh, Virg, if you'll bear with me, man. Go ahead, Virg. Yeah, let's talk through it. Yeah, yeah. Six types of boundaries in the Bible, in no particular order. Number one, there's ethical boundaries. Mm. There's ethical boundaries. So I take a text like Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Okay? Mm -hmm. Ethical boundaries. Don't lie. Don't lie to each other. Okay? There's moral boundaries. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. Mm -hmm. Moral boundaries. There's moral boundaries. So we talked about ethical boundaries, moral boundaries. Well, there's also spiritual boundaries. 
spiritual boundaries. Let's go to Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. Spiritual boundaries. Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. For the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Mm. For the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So Mm -hmm. that word, but, there at the beginning of verse 17, that's your boundary right there. Okay, that's your spiritual boundary. So we have ethical boundaries, moral boundaries. We have spiritual boundaries. We also have relational boundaries. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. If the listeners will bear with me because I'm flipping pages in real time here. Yeah, I hear, I hear, the, I hear the pages turning, man. Flipping in real that's a, time. Look, look, that's a difference on the on, on the Just Thinking Pod. You're hearing real pages being turned right there. Yeah, this is real time. This is live. <laughs> All right. Relational boundaries. Colossians 3, verses 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Mm-hmm. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So those four verses there give us examples of relational boundaries. Right. There are, there, are, there are other examples, but again, for the sake of time, I'm just going to touch on these very at a very high level. So we've gone through ethical boundaries, moral boundaries, spiritual boundaries, relational boundaries. Well, there's also geographic boundaries. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at Genesis 1, verses 9 and 10. Genesis 1, verses 9 and 10. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And and God saw that it was good. So we have a boundary between the water, the seas, and the dry land, the dry Mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. Lastly, I want to talk about national boundaries. There's national boundaries. Stand in Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. Genesis chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. Come, this is God speaking. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. So that's where uh, we have universal languages and Tower of Babel and uh, Mm -hmm. language confusion. Mm -hmm. But verse 8 says that the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we have ethical boundaries, moral boundaries, spiritual boundaries, relational boundaries, geographic boundaries, and national boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that was just at a very high level. But see, now we're about to dive deep. And it's that idea of national boundaries that I want to focus on as it relates to this issue of immigration and borders. That's great, man. That's great. Brother, I'm going to pause you just for a second just to to interject this uh, into the space. One of the things, man, I, I love about 
what what you've done, what what we consistently do on the Just Thinking podcast is we, we, we don't we don't just narrow in on a focus of of maybe a passage or two where we've pulled an idea and 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 read into that's called eisegesis. Mm-hmm. Read into the scripture something that's not there. You you you're setting up a. I mean, it, this is a systematic. You're setting mm-hmm. up a theological framework uh, that people can go and begin to see. Here's the high level boundaries that are established in scripture. Now let's mm-hmm. take a look at at how things are to function at a, at a deeper level. Absolutely love it, man. Exactly. So now again, hopefully the, the listeners are are following me here, following my logic with respect to orthodoxy leading into orthopraxy. And mm-hmm. why I said earlier on that the conversation must begin with a discussion about the nature and character of God. It must mm-hmm. start there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want to narrow down though on a biblical theology of national boundaries. So we talked about six types of boundaries. We want to focus in now on what the Bible has to say about the idea of national boundaries as it relates to the issue of immigration. <clears throat> All right. Now, in looking at what the Bible has to say about national boundaries, I want to go back to Genesis um, chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to have an emphasis on verse 5. So if the listeners are following us, I'm in Genesis 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, for your forgiveness in advance, Omaha, because I'll, I'll probably b- butcher some of these names. But uh, <laughs> I, I practiced them as well as I could, man, leading up to this episode. <laughs> but, but, but I'll probably still stumble over some of them. But sure. uh, again, uh, I'm going to plan on verse five. So Genesis 10 verses one through five. Now, these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah. And sons were born to them. After the flood, verse two, the sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog and Madai and Javan and Tubal and Meshech and Tiraz. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and Riphath and Togarmah. The sons of Javan were Elisha and Tarshish, Kittim and Dodanim. Verse five. From these, listen closely, please, listeners, listen closely. From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands. Mm. Everyone, according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. I'm going to read verse 5 again. Genesis Mm. 10, 5. From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, every one according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Now, why is this verse important? Why is this text important to to the discussion about what does Genesis have to do with the Mexico-U.S. border? Well, I'm going to answer that question. The word nations in Genesis 10.5, the word nations is used twice in that verse. And each time it is the Hebrew word pronounced goy, spelled G-O-W-Y, pronounced goy. That word translated refers to peoples or people groups. But notice also in the text that the phrase 
the coastlands of the nations were separated. That phrase is not speaking of the geographic separation of the various continents by the various bodies of water that are on the earth. It's speaking of the literal dispersion of the descendants of Noah into their own separate and distinct nations of peoples. So Genesis 10.5 clearly establishes that the concept of national borders is indeed biblical. That's the first account that we have of people groups separating into their own distinct groups. Mm -hmm. And the word nations is literally used there twice. Mm. The first nations were formed by the descendants of Noah and God sovereignly ordained that they separate into distinct people groups who lived on their own separate geographical territories and were comprised of distinct families and languages. Mm -hmm. Now here's what's so cool is that there's a corresponding text to Genesis 10, five in the new Testament. And that's acts 17, 26. That's right. That's Acts 17, 26. Mm-hmm. So let's go there. Let's go to Acts chapter 17, verse 26. It says, and he, that is God, made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Mm-hmm. Like we used to say back in the day, Verge, I'm going to read this one more again. <laughs> and he made, this is Acts 17, 26. Mm-hmm. And, he mm-hmm. made from every, and he made from one man, every nation. That word nation there is the Greek word ethnos, which is where we get our Greek uh, English word ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, mm-hmm. the boundaries of the habitation. So in Acts 17, 26, so in Genesis 10, five, let me back up in Genesis 10, five, we have the first account of nations of people being formed on the earth. Conversely, mm-hmm. in Acts 17, 26, we have the unambiguous declaration that not only is God sovereign in creating each of us and in determining when along the continuum of history we will be born and where, but also within what geographic and national boundaries we will live. Mm-hmm. The second half, the second half of Acts 17, 26 is a testament to the sovereignty of God. It says, having determined. Yes. Okay, their appointed times. That is when you would be born mm-hmm. and the boundaries of the habitation and where where you would be born. When and where yes. is determined by God. The verse, Acts 17, 26, that's unambiguous. There's no Mm-mm. argument there. Right. Okay, so that's the orthodoxy piece, right? We had two questions that we were considering right off the top of this, right? That's great. One question, question one was, how does God operate in the world that he created? I think we've answered that question. Absolutely. Let me let me interject this. I, I, as as you're as you're wrapping up that section, I, I, I almost anticipate and, and, and feel some of the listeners 
who, who may not want to line up to a particular idea already getting tense, mm-hmm. all, 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 already sharpening oh, yeah. swords for, for yeah. where 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 they where they're gonna fight and how how yeah. they're gonna inter- where where they need to go. Okay, he's gonna go here. They they're already assuming everything simply based upon what you stated and and it goes back to what you mentioned earlier which is for the most part we have a tendency to operate not from a theological position about the issue but from an emotional standpoint right right Right. and if 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 any of us know anything just by virtue of being human beings we each are experienced to some degree or another we've experienced being betrayed by our emotions Mm being betrayed by our feelings, you know, and myself as a biblical counselor, uh, one rule that I try to encourage folks to abide by is to not allow your feelings to create a false reality. Mm -hmm. Don't let you, you may feel that you may feel what you feel, Mm -hmm. but your feelings do not pretend what is true. Mm. Okay. So, we're going to the word of God here. We're expositing the word of God to deal with this issue of immigration. And I think fundamental to having a biblical, you know, theology, a biblical anthropology of the folks who are involved in this situation is understanding what is objectively true about this issue. Absolutely. Okay. So we've established, we've dealt with the question of orthodoxy. How does God operate? In his world, God is sovereign. God is a God of order. He is not a God of confusion. He is not a God of disorder. He has arranged and prepared his entire creation to operate with a sense of order. Okay. So that was the question of orthodoxy. Now we get to the question of orthopraxy. Orthopraxy. That question is this having dealt with right? How God operates in his world. The question now turns to us and how are we as God's people to operate in God's world, Mm. right? It's the old question that Francis Schaeffer asked, how then shall we live? Yes. How then shall we live? All right. So as I said earlier, immigration is a very emotion driven issue. And that's for people both within and without the church getting caught up in it. We're caught up in it for both sides. Much of the focus that has been centered on concern for the plight of the children. Okay. Mm-hmm. So much of the focus has been centered on the concern for the plight of the children of immigrant parents under the perceived premise that intact nuclear families are the only people attempting to cross the border from Mexico into the United States. Mm-hmm. That's the premise that's being put out there. So the focus is on the plight of the children. All we hear about is the children, the children, the children. Right, right. And and if history hasn't proven anything, it's proven this. It's proven that no two words will garner the attention of the church quicker than the words poor children. Mm. Right, right? That's it. Absolutely. The media knows this. The media knows this, and they're taking advantage of it. History has proven that no two words will garner the attention of the church quicker than the words poor children. The media knows this and they're taking advantage of it. Nonetheless, as Christians, we cannot allow our emotions to so blind us to the truth of this or any other issue that we are undiscerning with regard to how we should respond. Mm -hmm. 
And see, that's what happens when you get so emotionally bought into an issue that your discernment goes by the wayside. Right. Your emotions cloud everything, including your discernment. Now, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 23. I think this text might shock some people, actually, Mm. because the focus is always on the poor, the poor, the poor, the poor. The poor get the benefit of the doubt, notwithstanding the facts of an issue. But you just say the word poor and people start, you know, right. Well, what can I do? What can I do? Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. And what I'm trying to do and highlight in this text is give us some uh, a, a, uh, a biblical hermeneutic about the poor as it relates to this issue that's being put out there about immigration and what we're hearing in the media, especially with respect to the plight of children. Exodus 23, verses 1 through 3. You shall not bear a false report. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. Now listen to verse 3. This is Exodus 23 verse 3. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. Wow. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we normally see in society verse? We normally see partiality based upon poverty. We see partiality based on poverty, poverty, but who normally gets the good end of the stick? It's the wealthy. Absolutely. So normally we we are we are uh, uh, advised not to give partial partiality to the rich. Mm, oh, that's good. That's what we're doing in society. That's what you hear. Right. That is what you hear in society. You hear that the wealthy get all the breaks. Right. The wealthy the wealthy can afford uh, the best uh, legal defense. They can right. they can they, they can uh, they can uh, they can afford the best. Uh, tax accountants to get these tax shelters and all these investment shelters and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the world would advise us, well, no, you, the world says, well, no, you, you shouldn't give partiality to the wealthy. Well, that's true. You shouldn't. But what we don't hear is that God's word also commands us not to give partiality to the poor. That's good. This is Exodus 23, three again, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. What you're what you're what you're establishing is a biblical worldview about this particular issue coming going all the way back to the beginning. So this is not a this is not a recent idea. This is not a a Johnny come lately thought process. Right. Right. This is not some contemporary phenomenon here. Right. Right. And like we said, the top verse. God's word has an answer for every issue. Mm. This there's no world issue that we face in life that his word does not answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, Exodus 23, three, you shall not be partial to a poor man mm-hmm. in his dispute. Okay. God is our God. Listen, God doesn't want partiality towards anyone. Right. Regardless of situation. We're going to get to that in a second. So what I'm saying here, emphasizing Exodus 23 verses one through three, especially verse three. What I'm saying there, in other words, is that someone is in need 
that someone is in need is no excuse to disobey God's law in meeting that need. Mm-hmm. God says, you shall not be partial to a poor man in his dispute. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Puritan uh, Thomas Watson, huge fan of his. Um, I recommend anyone who's listening right now, if you're interested in reading the Puritans, I know you got some name brand Puritans out there. Right. Thomas Watson is a lesser known Puritan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go out and read his book, the the uh, the uh, Great Gain of Godliness. Yeah, uh, all things for good, mm-hmm. uh, body of divinity. Uh, go out and read Thomas Watson. But Thomas Watson said this. You know, I made the, the comment earlier. Uh, you know, when you understand Exodus twenty three three, in the sense that 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 because that that because there may be someone in need, that's no excuse to disobey God's law. Right. And trying to meet that need. Thomas Watson, he put it this way in the great gain of godliness. He said, necessity does not excuse impiety. Mm. Necessity does not excuse impiety. Okay. So the fact is, it is not just children and their parents that are, that are at the border uh, trying to, to get into the United States. What's precipitating a lot of that, traffic is the sin of human trafficking yeah. human trafficking human trafficking is a to a great extent a very great extent i would say influencing the numbers of people who are attempting to cross the border into the united states illegally mm-hmm. so yes there are those and i want my listeners to, to to hear me clearly on this there are those who are genuinely in need and are attempting to seek a better station in life in the united states right i acknowledge that However, it would be naive to suggest that it is only people who are such in such desperate economic straits who are attempting to enter the United States illegally. It would be naive to say that everyone who's trying to enter the, the uh, United States is genuinely in need. Right. That's naive. That's not the case. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, just a heads up. In the notes for this episode we're going to have a link to a cnn article that gives some staggering numbers uh i think the article is from 2017 gives some staggering numbers on human trafficking in the united states coming out of uh, mexico so yes there are those who are genuinely in need who are attempting to cross the border to better their station in life here in the united states Mm -hmm. But again, it would be absolutely naive to success to suggest that it is only those kinds of people who are trying to come over. Right. I say that because I make that distinction because Christians are not to be reactionary in our response to those who are in need. In fact, the scriptures teach not only that we are to help those who are in need, but that the needs of those who claim to be in needs must be legitimate needs and not arbitrary. So scripture teaches both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. We only get one side, right? That we're, we're commanded to help the poor. Right. But the scripture also teaches that if you claim to be poor, you need to be legitimately poor. You need to be legitimately objectively in need. Now, one text that I, uh, want to look at to support my argument there is first Timothy five, three, first Timothy chapter five. We're going to look at verses three and five. First Timothy chapter five, verses three 
and 5. Mm-hmm. All right. 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 and 5. Verse 3. Honor widows. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Yes. Honor yes. widows who are widows. What, verse? Indeed. Yeah. Verse 5. Now she who is a widow indeed mm-hmm. and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. Yes. Night and day. Honor widows, verse 3, who are widows indeed. Mm-hmm. Verse 5. Now she who is a widow indeed. Two times. Once in each verse. Verse 3 and verse 5 of First Timothy 5. Twice. Paul uses the word indeed as a qualifier for the word widows. Yeah. So you just can't claim to be a widow. You got to prove it. Right. You have to be legitimately in need. Now that word indeed is very interesting. That word indeed that Paul uses twice there in first Timothy five is a Greek verb. The Greek adverb ontos is spelled O N T O S Mm -hmm. ontos, which translated means truly in point of fact, as opposed to something pretended, false, or fictitious. So the word indeed conveys the idea that need, whether it be widows, immigrants, or anyone else, must be objectively and legitimately established prior to the church being obligated to respond. That's good. Paul said, honor widows who are widows indeed. In other words, in fact. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, in reality, now she who is a widow, indeed, he uses that word twice. Mm -hmm. So in scripture, need and poverty and poor are not subjective or arbitrary concepts. Right. They are objective and clearly defined. This Mm -hmm. is why I said in the beginning of her that this question of immigration is much bigger that this is really a question of how how should we as believers respond to those in need in general that's great okay so again in scripture need poverty poor those are not subjective or arbitrary concepts they are they are objective and clearly defined now with that in mind it is not only prudent but biblical for a sovereign nation whether it be america or any other country because we've already established that National sovereignty is biblical. We went all right. the way back to Genesis right. 5. Right. It's, it's not only prudent, but it's biblical for a sovereign nation, whether that nation be America or any other country, mm-hmm. to have laws and guidelines in place for how those who are truly in need should be helped. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject in here as well because I, I think I think what you've established is really critical for our listeners to to understand. Uh you, you you're laying out again orthopraxy, how we as believers should operate uh with those who are in need. Mm-hmm. And and the point you made I thought was really, really smart. And my, my hope is that no one misses it. And that's why again I, I kind of interject at this point. Because while this absolutely applies to the immigrant, right? It absolutely applies to someone trying to come to America. 
It also applies to the person in your life group at your church showing up, making a claim for a need. Right. Mm -hmm. This this also applies to the to the you know, to the the woman in in, in a marital situation who's saying, here's what's going on. There needs to be some validation and verification Mm -hmm. of what's going on. The presupposition has always been if if you articulate uh, that there's a problem, then there must be a problem. Right. And, and I think what you're establishing from a biblical standpoint is that, that we need to we there needs to be a process of going about and verifying and validating what is actually true. And that that's not that it's not unbiblical. It's not it's not unchristian for right. us to ask those right. kinds of questions. Right. It's not. But see what you're seeing. Those are great points first, excellent points. And what you're seeing in the media, especially, is just the arbitrary headlines Mm -hmm. the 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 pictures and images some of which have been proven to be false right and we read in uh exodus 23 earlier that we're not to be part of perpetrating falsehoods absolutely uh but yeah so there is discernment even in even in that in that issue even in that issue yeah all right, now, brother, what 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 else do you have for us on this, man? I I, I just think this is so rich, uh, both for the issue of immigration and for the issue of just needs and validating those, and 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 the and the, the the fact that this is not an uh, it's not an unchristian thing for us to pause and ask the ask right. those questions. Exactly right. What did Christ Himself said? He said, "Don't cast your pearls before swine." Mm. Okay, so in principle, we're talking about that here. We don't just toss discernment out the window. That's what I was saying earlier. This is exactly what Thomas Watson was saying. Necessity does not excuse impiety. You don't talk discernment out the window for the sake of meeting a purported. See, that's why I called it a purported need leading up to this point here, that the need in, in Scripture, need must be qualified. It must be qualified. So again, in scripture, need and poverty and poor are not subjective or arbitrary concepts. Uh, not even in the Bible can someone simply claim to be poor who is not actually in need and expect to be helped. Right. Um, you know, after all, let's look at Second Thessalonians chapter three. Let's look at what Paul said here. Uh, to my point here about not the Bible, nowhere in the Bible can someone claim to be poor who is not actually in need and expect us expect the church to help look at second thessalonians chapter 3 verses 7 through 12 uh this is paul he says for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you nor did we eat anyone else's bread without paying for it but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Mm-hmm. Not because we did not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you mm-hmm. so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Yeah. But we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Mm. So again, not even in the Bible can someone simply claim to be poor 
who is not actually in need and expect to be helped. The church is not obligated at that point to help. Mm. If the need is illegitimate. Okay. Now I want to close with three quotes, uh, three quotes from three different individuals. D.A. Carson, John Frame, and then Wayne Grudem. Oh, it was great. I want to close with this. And uh, these are somewhat lengthy close, so listeners just hang in there. D.A. Carson uh, wrote a book called The Gagging of God. I love that title. Mm. The Gagging of God, subtitle is Christianity Confronts Pluralism. D.A. Carson writes this. He says, Christian thought is eschatological thought. The ultimate solution to society's problems is the parousia, that is the second coming. Mm -hmm. The ultimate Christian hope is the new heaven and the new earth, 2 Peter 3.13. Christians cannot compromise on this point. However deeply they may feel the need to do what they can to improve society, their frame of reference is not the same as, say, that of the free market purist who holds that nirvana can be achieved by reducing government input in the marketplace and letting free market forces drive everything. Mm. Nor can it be the same as the naturalistic socialist who not only exercises incredibly naive faith in status solutions, but whose, whose horizons are limited by the shrouds of mere temporality. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Car Carson is saying that for the Christian, as much as we, we may want to help assuage some of the suffering mm -hmm. uh, in the world, that's not our framework. Our framework is to look ahead. That's why he says, you know, our framework is eschatological. Mm -hmm. It's not temporal. It's eschatological, always looking ahead to the new heaven and the new earth. Second Peter 3.13 says, or according to his promise, we are looking to new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Not here. Okay. John Frame. John Frame and his systematic theology and introduction to Christian belief. Frame says this. He says the church is our extended family. We have a particular responsibility that's stated emphatically in 1 Timothy 5, 8 mm -hmm. to care for members of our natural families. That's your biological families. Mm -hmm. Since the church is the family of God, we have a special responsibility to our needy brothers and sisters in Christ. But as we are faithful in these relationships, Paul gives us reason to think that we will have some funds left over to help people who are needy outside the household of faith. Mm -hmm. The story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verse 25 to 37, is an illustration. When the Samaritan finds a person lying on the road half dead, he makes no judgment about the victim's religion, but simply gives assistance. We, too, should be available to help others who cross our paths without regard to their church membership. This is good. So we should see that everything the church does is or ought to be a fulfillment of the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. We are to go and teach all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything the Lord taught us. When we do that, the Lord assures us that he will be with us always even to the end of the age. So what Frame is saying here is to a point I alluded to earlier. This is not to say, nothing that we've said in this episode is not to say that we should not endeavor to help the poor. Right. But scripture is clear that 
a claim to be poor is not enough. That's good. That must there must be qualifiable evidence that of that need. And as that need is qualified, we can, whether the person is in the church or outside the church, we can and should help that person. Mm -hmm. But that is not to say that we should not have a discernment in doing so. Um, Let me close out with a quote from Wayne Gruden. Wayne Gruden's book, Politics According to the Bible, a comprehensive resource for understanding modern political issues in light of scripture. Gruden says this. He says, in order to oppose and overcome evil in the world, God calls his people to serve him in many ways. Mm -hmm. He gives us the privilege of being involved in the struggle to overcome evil. In this way, God works through our human actions to bring about the fulfillment of his purposes in history. He calls us to pray, Matthew 6.10. He calls us to evangelize through sharing the good news of the gospel with others, Matthew 28.19 and 20. He calls us to act in obedience to him each day. That's Luke 6, 46. God does not often change the world miraculously without also using a good deal of human work. Mm. We do not need to do this work in the midst of confusion and uncertainty. That's back to a point I was making earlier that God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of order. Grudem goes on. He says, we know that the final goal is that people on earth will live in accordance with the moral laws of God in Scripture and so bring honor to him. Therefore, we know that it is pleasing to God when we work in various ways toward that final goal even now. We are to pray and act in such a way that God's kingdom will come and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Matthew 6.10. Yeah. So yeah. what are we saying in all this? Yes. We have the church. When I say we, I mean the church believers. We have a mandate to help the poor. Mm-hmm. We have a mandate to help the poor, but we have a mandate. That mandate is to help legitimate needs to meet mm-hmm. legitimate needs. Immigration is a problem. Immigration is a problem indeed, but not everybody who cries wolf. Okay. Is it is legitimately in need? We mm. must be discerning as a as individuals and as a nation. Yeah, we must be discerning in our immigration policy. So as Daryl sits here, I'm not going to speak for Omaha. As <laughs> Daryl sits here, I would venture to say that oh, a a policy of open borders is mm. unbiblical. Yeah, it is unbiblical. God is a God of order. His entire universe operates on, on principles and laws. It stands to reason that because of that, that the nations, which we read in Genesis 10 and Acts 17, which he ordained to be formed and populated, that those nations also operate in a sense of order and law Mm. and principle. So no, open borders is unbiblical. Right. But to the extent that we can meet legitimate needs, 
we should meet those needs. Absolutely. And and here at at, at this point, Dar, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I wanna hit you with a couple of questions based upon what we've now walked through. And and, and I I know we're long on time, but this look, this is our show and we do it how we want to do it. So exactly, bro. It's our show. <laughs> so I, a couple of thoughts coming out of this, man, as I've sat and listened through uh man, the explanation, both the the orthodoxy the orthopraxy, I, th- I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but just to, just to be really, really clear, um, and, and, and we can talk this through, I'm thinking about the listener who says, okay, okay, Daryl, I, I, I hear you, I hear, I hear what Virgil's interjecting, I'm listening to what, what you're sharing, but, but how, how, how should we respond to what we're seeing. I mean, you, you've got these kids who are being separated from parents and, and, and all of this stuff. I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't we, shouldn't we respond in, in, in a way that, that is, that is loving, that is caring, that is, that is heart filled. I mean, what, you know, what, 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 what am I to do? I mean, I, I care about, about children and, and here's why we, you know, we know that, that, that Jesus said, suffer the little children under me. I've actually heard this as a, as an argument given, uh, I think it was a, I think it was a news commentator, um, you know, who said, doesn't the Bible say suffer the little children under me? And they were using that as a, as a, uh, a biblical case for allowing all of these children. I don't even know what they wanted to do with the children, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, I saw a quote from a former presidential candidate who shall remain nameless, uh, <laughs> use that same, use that same text. And I thought, what in the world is he or she talking about? What does right. that have to do with anything? I mean, what, what, where are they go? Needless to say, but to the person who hears those arguments, who's, who's hearing those positions, Daryl, what, what, what should they take from what we've shared with them as a result? Well, again, I think I would drive home the point again that God is sovereign. Mm. God, God is sovereign even over situations where children are being separated from parents. And I would mm. advise anyone respectfully and humbly to not just read the news headlines mm-hmm. uh unresearched or unsubstantiated yeah do your homework do your own research if the case is legitimate um then you respond accordingly not out of instinct or reaction but respond in the wisdom and counsel of the holy spirit mm-hmm. that's what we do that's good okay that's good. Uh, so that's number one. Don't buy into everything you read or hear. Um, and remember that God is sovereign even in these situations. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.14 comes to mind. In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, remember that the Lord has made the one as well as the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so God is a God who sees. He sees everything. And sometimes, you know, God doesn't need us to play the hero. Mm-hmm. He's been sovereign since before creation. Okay, right. we need to remind God is pre. Uh, he 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 he's a God who exists in Himself. Yeah. He existed before He created anything, so mm-hmm. nothing catches Him by surprise. Right. Nothing. Now, contrary to what the prosperity gospel preacher may may say, uh, God in His sovereign providence and will does allow suffering. Mm. He does allow suffering, and. We should expect suffering in a sinful world. But we alluded to that earlier. Uh, D.A. Carson was talking about that the frame of mind for the Christian is eschatological. Yeah. It is the new heaven and the new earth. Nothing will ever be resolved 
with perfect justice, fairness, and righteousness in this world. Mm-hmm. It's not to say we wouldn't, we, we should not uh, uh, work towards that, not saying that at all, but don't expect it. Right. Don't expect it in this world. Right. Okay. So don't believe everything you're reading, everything you're hearing, mm-hmm. whatever you're hearing and reading, substantiate it if you can, but Listen, do what Omaha and I have just done. Mm-hmm. Hold it up against the word of God and see what Absolutely. the word of God says. And then you you uh, you develop a plan of action, if that's yeah. God's will for you at all. Yeah. I, I, I also have, you know, like you, I'm sure, have, have some friends uh, who are of Mexican descent. And uh, uh, they're, they're here, uh, as far as I know, uh, in this country legally. Um, but again, as as you well know, more times than not, people have a tendency uh, to respond emotionally uh, to to an issue that affects their 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 ethnic group. Right? Uh, we we, right. We, then, we then begin to appeal to, to kind of tribalism, and what you see happening uh, is in in the, with regard to this conversation is you know you see our, our people who are beholden to their ethnicity feel as if all all you know, order, all law and order is off the table, right? Mm-hmm. When it when it comes to uh, their particular ethnic group and and getting and getting their their needs met, and what they begin to appeal to is government as savior, right? Rather than appealing to God as savior, God as sovereign, to the point that that, that you just made, any any special instruction in those instances, man, when there's a where there's the sensitivity of, of knowing someone, having a friend of yours, having someone that you know who may be very sensitive to this issue, how do we as brothers and sisters in the Lord deal with one another when there is such an emotional connection? to this kind of an issue. Yeah. I would just encourage that brother or sister to, as you have opportunity, just spend some one-on-one time with that person and help them to understand that, you know, God sees, I hate to be redundant, but this is where my heart is. Uh, We, we, it comes down to two things. You either trust God or you don't. That's good, bro. Uh, and, 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 and God is sovereign even over the suffering that goes on to in this world. Nothing occurs, nothing occurs, whether it be blessing or suffering apart from his sovereign will. And he uh, sit down with that brother or sister, with that person and try to encourage them and comfort them with the words of scripture, primarily though, that God is a God who can be believed and he is a God who keeps his promises and that he is a God who one day, again, going back to Carson's comment and that the Christian's framework should be eschatological, that there is going to come a day when God's perfect justice will be meted out in a brand new creation and there'll be no more sin, no more injustice, no more unfairness. Uh, Take them to Revelation chapter seven, where all tears will be wiped away. All tears will be wiped away. Amen. I think that's a great place for us to land uh, with regard to our conversation today. Great job taking us through that and uh, unpacking that for us. I think those who are are listening again have gotten an an earful, man. But, you know, they, they, they stick with us, man, with, with the Just Thinking podcast, man, on Just Thinking. They're, they're going to end up getting a full systematic on, on, on cultural and social issues. That's for sure. Amen, brother. And uh, just, again, listeners, thank you all for taking the time to, out of your day to listen to us. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. We don't take you for granted. 
thank you so much. Uh, give us, keep giving us your feedback, sending us your emails and uh, giving us the reviews out on uh, our iTunes, uh, hitting us up on Facebook and Twitter. We love hearing from you. Absolutely. Uh, it's a joy, so, so thanks again for taking the time to listen to us. We do appreciate it. Another great one, man. Enjoyed, enjoyed it with you tonight, man. Until next time, you guys take care. Join us next week for another episode of Just Thinking. Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by The Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.